I'm just amazed at what God can do with a life, a life that's totally given to him, given over to his plans and purposes, and what God can do taking somebody who was, he had everything, and then he lost it all, and he was nothing, he was living on the streets, and yet God took him, and God raised him up, and now he has everything in God, and I'm, I'm just so amazed, you know, God is so good, what an example of the transforming power of God in a life, you know, we must never underestimate what God can do, what God can do in somebody that we would probably, humanly speaking, just write off and think, oh, there's no hope for them, we, we don't even want to even try and say hello even you know but God's not like that he never writes anybody off nobody is too difficult no situation is impossible for our God because he's mighty and he's powerful and the power of the gospel as it goes forward as it touches a heart and this man now is reaching out to so many around the world just one life you know just don't estimate what God can do in you and through you and through others as you believe God for, for the people in your life. Well, this evening we're going to continue to look at the five paradigms. And uh, we will be looking at the third paradigm tonight. We've been, over recent weeks, been going into these paradigms in more detail. And just to remind you that the word paradigm means a new mindset. Developing a new way of thinking. So let's just recap and see what uh, the paradigms are that we've just been looking at. We'll get there in the end. Okay, we're called to disciple nations, not just individuals. And the marketplace, which is the heart of the nation, has been redeemed and now it needs to be reclaimed. And in order for this to happen, change must take place. Now for a lot of us, change is a difficult thing, isn't it? We, we, we like to be comfortable. We like familiar things around us and we don't really like change. But change is a good thing. But you know, in order for change to happen, it must take place in us first. For transformation to take place, this is where it starts. We need to have a new attitude, a new mindset and we're going to be looking at that as we examine the third paradigm this evening, which is every Christian is a minister and labor is worship. Now, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be looking at these. We're going to be looking at how and why our work or our labor is worship and how and why every believer can be and is a minister. Now, when we look at the word minister or ministry today, we often associate these words with somebody who's either in the government, a government minister, or in Christian circles with someone who's a priest or a pastor, the one who preaches and evangelizes, the missionaries, the youth pastors, the Christian directors, those people who've committed their lives to serving those in church and in parachurch organizations. But when we look up that word minister in the dictionary, although those two definitions appear, we often overlook the fact that there is a third definition, and that is minister to be of service 
to someone. So a minister is simply someone who looks after, who cares for, or tends to something or someone. It's as simple as that. You know, we very often complicate it. So a doctor or a waiter, a lawyer, a taxi driver, a shop assistant, a homemaker is a minister because of the services that they give. They minister to people's needs. And in the same way, by carrying out our God-given assignments, whether it's in the pulpit or whether it's in the marketplace, we minister to others and they benefit from what we do. And in so doing, we're ministering to God. We're serving him. We're worshiping him. Let's look at Colossians chapter 3, verses 23 and 24. It says, work hard and cheerfully at whatever you do. Note that, work hard. Work cheerfully at whatever you do, as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward, and the master you are serving is Christ. The master you are serving is Christ. And if we look at that word to serve there, it comes from the Greek, Duliuo. <laughs> I've never studied Greek, but I think that's how you pronounce it. And it implies that, that the kind of service that a slave would give to his master, whether it would be voluntarily or involuntarily. And you know, when we take Jesus as our Savior, when we come into relationship with God, our Heavenly Father, we become love slaves to Jesus. He becomes our master. And that makes such a difference because we will then want to voluntarily, of our own free will, willingly want to serve God. Not out of duty, but out of our love for him. And we'll do it with all our hearts. We'll do it with everything we've got. You know, just like when we came into church tonight, and it was really wonderful to have such a fantastic time of worship. You know, we were raising our hands, and we were singing the songs. We were praising, we were worshiping, and we were giving it everything we'd got. You know, we can do that on a Monday when we go to work. We can continue to worship God. We can continue to minister and serve him with everything we've got, putting our whole hearts into our jobs serving God, worshipping him. We've heard over recent weeks that the Bible refers to us as priests. Okay, in 1 Peter 2 verse 9, it says, you are a chosen people. You know, I'm, I'm so glad about that. God has chosen us. God's chosen you. God's chosen me. We are a kingdom of priests, God's holy nation, his very own possession. This is so you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. So how do we show others the goodness of God? Simply by ministering to them. And who's called to do that? We are, all of us. It doesn't say some of you are a chosen people, some of you are priests, but it says you are, all of you, you are, I am. We're called to show people the goodness 
of God by ministering to them. So, how will changing our attitudes and our thinking and following these paradigms help us to bring about nation transformation? Well, first of all, we need to overcome our fear of ministry. And I think if we're all honest, we've had times when we've thought we don't feel good enough. You know, we, we probably haven't been to Bible college, we haven't been trained, we can't be ministers because we associate the word minister with the trained clergy, with the pastor who stands at the front, with the missionaries who go and evangelize rather than with somebody who looks after, who cares for, who tends to someone. And we need to recognize that we're called, we are empowered to disciple nations. But this is only possible when we come into relationship with Jesus, when we take Jesus as our Savior, when we make Jesus Lord of our lives, when we put him first, when we follow his plan and purpose for us. We've been talking a lot recently about the Great Commission. Go into the world. And over recent weeks, Pastor Brian's shown us that this means more than just individuals, but it means every aspect of our society. It means our city. It means our nation. It means our workplace, because we're called to disciple nations, not just individuals. So to fulfill the purpose of God, we need to recognize the very important role that we have in the marketplace. That marketplace that has been redeemed by the blood of Jesus and now needs to be reclaimed by the church. Now this is not an easy task because most of us work in a non-Christian environment and most of us feel we, we know what it's like to feel on our own, to feel a little bit powerless and a little bit helpless and a little bit isolated. And on Saturday mornings, we're running a course at the moment, the Anointed for Business course. It's run every Saturday morning from 10 till 12, and it really helps us to understand what our role is in the marketplace, how we can be effective for God, how we can be ministers and worship and serve God. So if you haven't come already, it's okay. You, you can come along. Um, you, you've missed the first one, but we'll be running it again. So uh, please come along. And it's, it's amazing what, what we can learn and how we can encourage each other. Because, you know, I used to wonder where God was on a Monday. Years ago, uh, before Pastor Brian and I were married, and I lived at home with my mum and dad, I used to wonder, where is God on a Monday? Where is that link between my church life and my work life? Why what I experienced in church on Sunday didn't really make an awful lot of difference on Monday and through the rest of the week until it was Sunday again? You know, why did I feel sometimes alone? and isolated, helpless, powerless. Even though I knew I was a Christian, I'd been a Christian a long, long time, and I knew that as a Christian, I should have been making more of a difference than I was, but I didn't feel that I was being that effective. You know, how did my Christian faith 
and how did my work life fit together? And I tried to be a good witness and I tried to be a good example, but sometimes it was like being in a storm and I was just clinging on for dear life, trying to survive until I could go to church again on Monday and get on Sunday and, and get empowered. And I'll be honest with you, sometimes I didn't feel like the God I was representing and the church I was representing and God's way of life was very attractive to my work colleagues. I felt it was a little bit dull and boring, even though I knew that it wasn't, because we used to have a great time at church, but I didn't quite know how to get the two together, because we used to have a great time at church. I mean, we still do. We have a great time on Sundays here, don't we? And when, when I was growing up, we used to have a fantastic time at church. I mean, we used to have meetings all day. We'd have Sunday morning, we'd have Sunday evening. Then after the Sunday evening, uh, service finished. We used to get together with a couple of other churches in the area and we'd have an after meeting. We'd either go to their building or they'd come to ours and we'd have another meeting. Then when that was finished, we'd all go back to my house and we'd have some food and we'd have some more fellowship. And it just went on and on and on. And during the day, we, we had guests at our home for lunch or we were guests at their home. And it was, it was anything but dull and boring. It was just a fantastic Christian family life. But what happened between Sunday night and Monday morning, I don't know. Because <laughs> when I woke up on a Monday morning, I didn't have that same sense of excitement and church had gone. I, I, I'd gone to work and I was all by myself and God seemed far away and I knew as a Christian, I knew that what I heard in the sermon the previous day should be having some impact, but I didn't know how to make it work. I didn't know that I was there being church. You see, we still had this mentality that it was the minister in the pulpit and we were sat in the congregation and we listened to the word and then the rest of the week we went out to, to, to our work and then we came back again and the process repeated itself. We, I separated the two. And when I look back, I really wish that I'd known then what I'm learning now about nation transformation, about these five paradigms, because I'm sure it would have made such a difference. I did know God was with me. I did know that at any time I could call on him. And I did many times. I thought, God, help. <laughs> I don't know what to do here. I don't know what to say. God, help me. You know, and he did. It was, it was amazing. But I didn't know that I could worship him, that I could minister for him just as effectively in my office on Monday morning as I had the previous day in church. It was almost as though I had a little switch, you know, that worship service switch, and I switched it on and off as I thought was appropriate, you know, as I thought, not as God thought, because God wants that switch to be on all the time for us to worship him and serve him. But you know, when we disciple nations, when we reclaim the marketplace, when we have the right attitude towards our work, we don't just live in survival mode any longer. We live in victory because we are on the winning side. Amen. Um, that, that is worthy of an amen. We are on the winning side. The victory is ours. And I'm sure that if, if I'd have been convinced all those years ago, in my heart, of that transforming power that was available to me through Christ, 
I wouldn't have just had an amazing Sunday experience. I would have had an amazing Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and right through the week in my place of work instead of clinging on, hoping that I'd make it through the week. You know, that the power of God is available to us and it makes a difference in our lives. Amen. You know, so often we read the... Uh, Great Commission in Matthew 28 verses 19 and 20 and we tend to forget the ending where God says and be sure of this in the New Living Translation this is what it says and be sure of this I am with you always even to the end of the age God is with us always at church at work at home wherever we are God is with us we are not on our own. I read a, a lovely story the other day that really illustrates this perfectly. Uh, it's a story about a little boy who was growing up many years ago. And I'll call this little boy Little Ed. Now, Little Ed and his brothers and sisters were growing up and their, their parents gave them work to do around the house, chores that the children could help with around the house. And there was one particular chore that the children took turns in doing, and that was to go out to the ice shed behind their house. They, they obviously didn't have a fridge in those days, but they had a, a, an ice shed behind their house where they kept all the drinks, all the juices and sodas in, in this storeroom to keep them cool. And this shed was at the bottom of a long path that had trees growing up on either side of it. Now, little Ed always tried to get this chore at lunchtime because he was afraid of doing it at night because he was afraid of the darkness. But he didn't always succeed. And, okay. and one evening, little Ed, it was his turn, he got the, the, the dinner time assignment and he stood at the top of the path and he was frozen with fear. And he really tried to get down that path because he knew what his job was. He knew he had to go and get those drinks, but he just stood there frozen. And the family were waiting in the dining room, waiting for him to bring the, the juice and the sodas. And he looked out into the darkness and he just got so scared because it was dark. The path was long. The trees on either side were, the, 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 the wind was rustling, the, the leaves in the trees, and his imagination began to work over time, as, as I'm sure it does in all little boys and girls, and even adults sometimes. And we, we can imagine all kinds of things. And, and he thought the trees were, there was monsters behind every tree. And as he walked down the path, they were gonna jump out on him, and all kinds of terrible things were gonna happen. And he, he, was, he was just terrified. Well, his father began to realize that something wasn't quite right. Something was hindering this little boy. This was, a, this was a simple task, just to go down to the path, pick up the drinks, bring them back. Simple. And he thought, this is taking too long. So he walked out, and he saw little Ed standing with his knees shaking at the top of the path, and he knew straight away what was going on. So his father bent down and he looked at him and he said, son, you're afraid, aren't you? Yes, said little Ed. And his father said, are you afraid of the darkness? 
Yes, said little Ed. He had to admit that he was. Do the trees look as if they're, they're about to grab you? Asked his father. And once again, little Ed nodded. And he began to feel a little bit embarrassed and a little bit humiliated that his dad was seeing him in such a state like this because he felt like he'd failed. He hadn't failed for lack of trying. He tried. He'd stood at the top of the path, but he just couldn't get his little legs to take him down there. So it wasn't for lack of trying, but it, he just felt overwhelmed by what he perceived to be a very, very frightening, scary, hostile environment. And he felt helpless. He felt humiliated, especially because his dad had seen him. And yet at that moment, something happened. Little Ed's father took his little hand and placed it into his big hand. And he turned to him and he said, let's go, son. We'll do it together. And that instant, he felt his dad's big hand taking hold of his. He knew that he was going to be all right. He knew he was going to succeed. And even though nothing had changed, it was still a long path. It was still dark. The trees were still like big menacing monsters, but that didn't matter anymore. He was no longer afraid. He felt empowered. He felt his dad's hand in his, and he was able to accomplish his task, and he was able to go and get those drinks and bring them to the family, because he did it with his dad. His dad had become his partner. And he learned a very valuable lesson that evening, that he knew that his father loved him and cared for him. But that evening he experienced that his father cared about what he was expected to do. His father cared about the fact that this was his chore, this was his assignment. And to his surprise, he realized that his father was willing and eager to come alongside him to help him to ensure that he succeeded. Now that is a true story, because little Ed grew up, and you've heard us refer a lot to Ed Silvoso. That was little Ed. I mean, now he's the um, founder and the president of the International Transformation Network. He's a solid Bible teacher. He's written loads of books. And I'm so glad that he shared that story with us. You know, it, it really blessed me when I read it. But that experience that he had when he was a little boy, and I'm sure it laid a foundation for him through later life to realize that God was his father as well. And that when God called him to serve him and called him to uh, go all around the world and called him, called him to uh, write books he could do so because he'd learned what it was to put his hand in his heavenly father's hand. You know, so often we're like that. You know, if we're all honest, and I'm honest, I get like that. You know, I've tried, but I've just felt overwhelmed by what's been going on around me. I've been afraid of what's happening, you know, and we, we go through life and we feel alone. We feel scared. We feel helpless. All the time, God's there, and he's watching us. And he's just wanting to take our little hands into his big hands. And he's wanting to walk along that path 
with us. And he's ready to help us accomplish the task that he's called us to do. And many, many times throughout my life, I've had to do that. I've had to literally reach out my hand and say, okay, God, I'm holding your hand here because I can't do this by myself. You know, when I say that, but I don't have to. I don't have to do it by myself. God doesn't want me to. He's there with me and he's saying, just ask me for help. Just take hold of my hand and I will help you. You know, we need to understand that there is a God, that he cares, that he cares for us. And he cares about where we are and what we do. And so I'm really blessed by that story of little Ed. And next time you feel a little bit overwhelmed by your circumstances, just say, okay, God, we're going to do this together. Because he wants you to succeed. He really does. He's called you to a task. He's called you to a mission. And he doesn't plan for you to fail. He wants you to succeed. You know, what we understand about the depth of God's love and care for us will not only affect us during those times when we're not in church, but it will affect the world around us. It will be contagious. You know, when we think about it, we come to church on Sunday for a couple of hours, or we go to cell group on Wednesday for a couple of hours, but the majority of our time during the week is spent in the marketplace, in that workplace, that's where we spend most of our time. And that's where we face circumstances that are going to test us and challenge us, challenge our self-esteem, challenge our personal worth. And so it's so important to understand that God is with us. God is everywhere. And I'm so glad of that because otherwise I think, what would be the point of believing in a God if he's not everywhere, if he's not with us, if he's not with me in every circumstance? But God is everywhere. Have you ever asked yourself, where is God? Or when you get to work thinking, where's God on a Monday or a Tuesday or a Wednesday or right through the week? You know, where is he? Where is he when you're the only Christian at work? Where is he when you feel alone and the environment feels very hostile towards you, towards God, towards anything to do with Christianity? Where is he when you have an important decision to make? Where is he? He's right there beside you as he promised. And be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And I'm so glad that this is God's promise to us. It's God's promise. Unlike us, he never, ever breaks his promise. And I'm glad about that. You know, we need to have a personal revelation of the resurrection. We need to know that Jesus is alive. Jesus rose from the dead. He's alive. He's living in us. And he is personally interested in who we are and in what we do. And it doesn't matter how we feel. You know, we, we may feel weak, we may feel inadequate. It doesn't matter what condition we're in. We may feel sick, we may feel tired, we may be poor. It doesn't matter how the world sees us. We may be very unimportant, very insignificant by the world's standards. That does not matter because God cares for us. And he's watching over every single detail of our lives. And he gives us the grace that is sufficient to meet 
every situation. And like little Ed, who put his little hand into his father's big hand, and he was able to walk down that path, he was able to overcome his fear and accomplish his mission. So God wants us to put our hand in his, to take him at his word. You know, God wants us to take him at his word, to trust him, believe him, because nothing is too difficult for him. No situation is too difficult. So I wonder what your attitude is going to be when you're thinking about Monday morning. What's your attitude towards Monday morning? To your work, to your colleagues, to the people that you come into contact with every day, your family, your friends, your neighbors, your customers, the children you teach at school. What is your attitude? towards them. We've looked at the need to overcome our fear of ministry. Now we need to recognize our God-given authority to birth change and to usher in the kingdom of God. How can we develop a better attitude towards our work? By seeing that work is an opportunity to reclaim the marketplace so that now work no longer is just a means to get money to live. And I'm not saying that that is not important because it is. It is important that we get money to live. We all need money to live. But our work becomes more than that. It becomes a way in which we can serve the purpose of God and we can fulfill the vision of this church. You know, we've, we've got a fantastic vision in this church, haven't we? Yes? Yes, we have. We've got an absolutely fantastic vision. But you know, it's not just up there on the wall. It's probably not just on a piece of paper that you might have written it down on and put in your Bible. It's not the pastor's vision. It's not just his responsibility to see it fulfilled. It's not your cell leader's vision only and their responsibility to see it fulfilled. It's our vision. It's your vision. It's my vision. And it's our responsibility to see that vision fulfilled. You know, and we've been given authority by God to bring about a change in the marketplace, to bring about nation transformation. You know, that vision, if, if we don't take that vision and, and take hold of it and make it our own, it will stay on the back of that wall and nothing will happen. It will not fulfill itself. It's our responsibility and God's given us the, the empowerment to be able to do that. God's given us the authority to do that. And so having the right attitude towards our work will open the door to establishing the kingdom of God. But you know, it's important to see people through God's eyes. There's so many people out there that need to know about Jesus. There's so many needs out there. And we need to have that same attitude as Jesus. If we look in Matthew 9, chapter 36... It says, when he, that is Jesus, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. He had compassion 
on them. And we need to have that heart full of compassion when we go to work on a Monday morning. A heart that wants to see needs met. A heart that wants to see people's lives restored. A heart that wants to see the workplace made better. That hostile environment can change, but we need to have that compassion. A heart that believes it can and it will, and it will happen through us. In the Psalms, it says, create in me a clean heart, renew a right spirit within me. And so often, you know, we need to go to God and we need to say, God, do something about my heart. Do something about my attitude. Create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me. God, give me a heart that really believes that transformation can and will happen in me. You know, we need to make that our daily prayer and guard our hearts, guard the, 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 the attitude that we have towards people. Let's look at some biblical examples of a marketplace transformation of how God is concerned about where we are and what we do. Okay, the first example is found in John chapter 21 and verses 1 to 14, and we're not going to read the whole passage. I'll just summarize it for you. Uh, if you're familiar with this passage, uh, you'll uh, remember that Jesus had died, Jesus had rose again, and it was after his resurrection that he appeared to his disciples on the lake shore. And his disciples had gone out fishing, but they were returning to the shore without any fish. Despite being out all night, they'd caught nothing. Now, these were professional fishermen. If I'd gone out all night fishing and came back with nothing, it wouldn't really be too much of a surprise. But these were professional fishermen. And this was a major problem because fishing was a necessity. They had to provide for themselves. They had to provide for their families. If we translate this into uh, a modern-day scenario, it would be some, like somebody trying to sell a house, an estate agent trying to sell a house, but the house sale had fallen through, but he really, really needed the commission on that house sale because he had to pay his own mortgage. And this would be a major problem because there'd be no finances available. So for these disciples, for these professional fishermen, it was a problem because no fish meant no sales. No sales meant there'd be no income. No income meant there'd be no food on the table. So Jesus came to his disciples. And what did he do? What did he say to them? You know, did he tell them, well, you didn't pray very much, did you, before you went out? Perhaps you ought to go and do a bit more praying. Perhaps you ought to go to church and sing some worship songs and do a bit of praising. Or perhaps you shouldn't have been out fishing in the first place because that's for less spiritual people. You know, if I'd have been in that situation, I might have been tempted to, to say that to them. You know, well, of course you've caught no fish. You know, but Jesus isn't like that. He's not like that. He met them where they were. He told them precisely where to go and cast their nets, and they got an amazing catch of fish. Jesus went to them. Jesus cared for them. Jesus cared about what they were doing. He cared about the fact that they hadn't got any fish. He actually built a fire for them and was cooking them breakfast. 
and he was there for them when they needed them. You know, Jesus is there for us when we need him. He meets our needs. And this was a marketplace miracle. And marketplace miracles were very common, a common occurrence with Jesus. And for these disciples, knowing Jesus, having Jesus in the workplace, that took them to the ultimate fishing experience. Because when we read later on in the book of Acts, we read about the thousands that came to know Jesus through their testimony, through the, the power of the gospel. And towns and cities were transformed by the power of the gospel. Earlier on in the book of John, chapter 2, verses 1 to 11, we read about the miracle at the wedding in Cana. And Jesus had gone along to the wedding. He was one of the guests. They were all having a wonderful time. And then something terrible happened. They ran out of wine. But the problem was brought to Jesus. And the result was Jesus turned the water into wine, into wine of such high quality that the caterer, who moments before was probably going to be um, the object of insults, why are you why didn't you cater why didn't you um, plan for this now he was being congratulated what fantastic wine you're serving at your wedding you see when jesus does something he does it well he turns things into high quality and that's what he wants to do in you that's what he wants to do through you that's what he wants to do in your workplace turn it into a high quality place and he wants to do it through you so bring your workplace, bring your problems, involve Jesus and see what the difference, see what involving Jesus makes such a difference. Let's look at one more in Luke chapter 19, verses 1 to 10. Okay, this is the story of Zacchaeus. And this is an amazing story of how a city was impacted by what took place in the marketplace when Jesus went to visit Jericho. Okay, Zacchaeus, if you're familiar with the story, was the little man who climbed the tree. And he was one of society's undesirables. He was despised by people. Nobody wanted to know Zacchaeus. Nobody wanted to be his friend. He, he was the most unpopular person around. He was a tax collector. He was a traitor. He was someone who'd made himself rich by taking from other people. But notice what Jesus did. Jesus changed him. He changed him from the inside out and changed his attitude towards his work. And the result was not only Zacchaeus and his household were blessed, but other people were blessed because straight away Zacchaeus began to give back. And it was because Jesus was interested in Zacchaeus. Jesus was interested in his business. And he came to find him. And he came to recover his business. And Zacchaeus began to give back to the rich and to the poor. And he began to give back not just what he owed them, but more than that, extra. He gave back extra. And he offered to help people. You see, tax collecting was the most hated of professions. People hated them. But look what happened when transformation occurred. Even this tax collector became a blessing. 
You know, we should never underestimate the power of God in a situation. Never underestimate the power of God in a person's life to change them around, to transform them. And he wants to do it in and through you, in and through me, because he cares about you. He cares about your workplace. He loves you. He loves your boss. He loves that colleague that you find difficult to get on with. He loves that child that you've got in your class that you think is a real pain in the neck. He loves them. And he, he cares so much. He wants you to involve him in your work situation. Don't underestimate the power of God in a life. Don't underestimate what he can do in you and through you. He cares about our labor, our work. And he cares about whether we worship him or not. Whether we worship him in our work and with our work. And we'll be looking at that next week, how labor is worship. Okay, every believer... Those of us that have a relationship with God who've invited Jesus to come into our hearts, made him Lord of our lives, every believer has the potential to be a minister. But not everyone submits themselves to God's best. If we look in Matthew chapter 22, verse 14, it says, For many are called, but few are chosen. God's call to salvation is given to everyone. His invitation to be part of his kingdom and part of the inheritance that we have in him is open to everyone. But not everybody, not everybody responds to his call. Not everyone submits themselves to his plan and purpose for their lives. You know, God wants the best for you. Do you believe that? God wants the best for you. He wants the best for your families. He wants the best for your workplace. He wants the best for your community, for this island. I'm glad God wants the best for Phuket. I am so glad about that. And I'm so glad that he wants to involve me. He wants to involve you in bringing about his best for our island, for the city, for the nation. But where does transformation begin? It begins in us first. It begins in you. It begins in me. Don't miss out on God's best for you. Thank you, and God bless you. Praise God. You know, when I was um, a new Christian, 31 years ago, hallelujah, and I went to church for the first time. I went to um, Sunday night service, and it was called the gospel service. And uh, everyone was geared up to bring a friend to the gospel service because you were going to hear the gospel on Sunday night. And you heard it at Sunday night, 6.30, once a week. Praise the Lord. And that's the... That's, that's, where I became a Christian, so I'm not knocking the thing. But we've got to understand that the gospel is not something that we just hear preached at church, but the gospel is preached by the church every day in the community.
And that's what transformation is all about. It's about taking the gospel out of these four walls and taking it into the world. Taking it into your place of work. Because that's where it needs to be heard. And so it's all about empowering you and me. For, for 52 weeks of the year, I had 52 different ways in which I was going to hell unless I asked Jesus into my life. I knew each year I got another different, I got 52 more different ways in which, uh, you know, I could burn. That's what the gospel service did for me. Part, you know, it, it, it worked. But the truth of the matter is, the good news that we have is that Jesus is interested in every part of me. And Jesus wants to be Lord of every aspect of my life. And that's what transformation teaching is all about. That's why we're so excited about it. Because we want everyone to catch what it's all about. It's about 100% everything that I am coming under the Lordship of Christ. So that on Monday morning, the power of the gospel is alive and at work in me and through me to the place where I am. And to the people who are, who are around about me, they can be touched by the power of the gospel. God really needs to challenge us and speak to us by his word. That last challenge on the screen... Every believer has the potential to be a minister. We all have the potential. This third paradigm that we've been looking at this week, it says every Christian a minister. Every believer a leader. But that will only work if we're ready to accept that responsibility. If we're ready to say, God, I want to be the best that I can be for you. Not just on Sunday. Not just in a Sunday gospel service. But Lord, I want to be a person who takes the good news. I want to be the person who brings peace. I want to be that peacemaker. You know what the Bible says about peacemakers? They're blessed. Do you want to be blessed? Be a peacemaker. Hallelujah. Isn't that great? Blessed are the peacemakers to go into a situation and to bring his peace, to establish his peace in your workplace, in your home, in your village, in your school. To be the one who makes the difference. That's what the word of God tells us to do. That's what the book of Acts is all about. Hardly any of the book of Acts take place, takes place in a building. It's all out there. Out in the community. Changing the place. Bringing in the kingdom of God. And that's what God's called us to do. Let's bow in a word of prayer. Father God, we thank you for your word. I thank you for the gospel service that I attended when I was 19 years old. 
that changed my life. And for the many other people who were changed in that service over the years. But Lord, I thank you that you've, you've opened my eyes to what you, is possible in you. And I thank you, Lord God, that you've led us to, to see that it's more, it's, it's more than just once a week thing. But Lord, you've commissioned each one of us to be ministers of the gospel. To take your word into every aspect of our life. Lord, to transform me. To transform my church. To transform my home. To transform my place of work. To transform my community. To transform my city. To transform my nation for you. Lord, it's all possible. It's all possible when I recognize that I have a part to play. And so, Lord God, I pray in Jesus' name, speak to us tonight. I don't want to make anyone uncomfortable tonight. What I do want you to, 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 to be able to do is to just pray with you. Ask God's blessing upon you. That we can see the potential that we have in Jesus. We may feel like little Ed. As we stand at the head of that path. And it's not that we've not tried. It's not that we've not tried to see God's will accomplished through us. It's just that circumstances just seem so hard. They've overwhelmed us. And it's as though we've, we've failed. We've tried to do it. We've, we've heard this word before. and We've tried to obey it. We've tried to do it. But it just seems too difficult for us. But thank God, just like little head had a dad. You and me have a heavenly father. And he reaches out with his hand right now and he says, take hold of my hand. Because do you know that God is interested in every aspect of your life? Those difficult moments where you find that your work is so difficult, so hard. No one understands what you've got to put up with, I want to tell you that Jesus is there with you. That situation that you can't stand and it, 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 it even colours the way you think about your work because that one aspect of your work is so awful to you. That it makes you not want to work at all. But God wants to put your hand in His. And He wants you to know that all things are possible. I'm reminded of that testimony from Jasper that 
how God can turn things so, so around that the, the drug addict that was in the gutter is now the director of the drug rehabilitation program. That is incredible. And that person who gives you a hard time at work, as you put your hand in the hand of God and you have faith to br believe that God can bring peace into that situation, that God can bring transformation into that situation, that very person that is causing you grief could turn out to be the greatest blessing in your life. Because that is what God can do. And that is what transformation is all about. It's the power of the gospel that we're talking about. Lord Jesus, help us so that we can reach out to you and walk with you knowing you are with us every step of the way. Because your desire is for us to be successful in what we do to serve you. You do not want us to fail in our service of you. You want us to succeed. And you will empower us to succeed. Help us to have faith. That's how Glenn started off the service tonight. Talking about faith. Lord Jesus, speak to us. And if you can relate to that and you want prayer in this attitude of prayer just with every eye closed just to give privacy to those who want to respond. If you want to relate to that and you just want to say, yeah, please pray for me. I'm going to close with a very short prayer but I'm going to ask God's anointing and blessing upon you to help you to be the minister that God has designed you to be. So if I can pray for you, then just show me very simply right now, just raise your hand. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. Thank you. When I've seen your hand, you can put it down. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Praise the Lord. Lord God, we agree together that we need you. And your word says, ask and you shall receive. And so right now I pray, Lord God, demonstrate your authority and power and grant a portion of faith to every single person that raised their hands. And that this week they will see an incredible transformation because we agree together tonight that it will be done. In Jesus' name. We set a seal in faith as we reach out to you, Lord. All things are possible. All things are possible. The thing that we've not been able to do on our own. That path we've not been able to walk down on our own. We will now walk down in the power and authority of God. 
and we will see a change because God will make the difference the supernatural difference you see if you involve Jesus in any aspect of your life you will always get a good deal always get a good deal we thank you Lord in your name Amen Amen God bless you as Margaret says if you're interested in joining the course on Saturdays um, you can you can still come along um, and uh, I'm sure you'll be blessed by it we've been looking at uh, different uh, things uh, we were looking at different things yesterday uh, to do with changing the spiritual climate in your place of work and uh, we're going to be continuing anointed for business on Saturday morning at 10 o'clock for two hours so if you want to join in with the course it's good we have about 20, 23, 24 people coming along already and it's here on Saturday so please come along God bless you